Well, we uh, have been talking for these weeks about what is at the heart of Christmas, and we've been talking about the celebration that's been there from the beginning as to what God was up to, about the salvation, about the reconciliation that he's brought about with ourselves and, and him and with one another. Um, last night we talked about the confirmation that comes with Christmas, how he confirms in our heart uh, the reality of his presence and his person and our, and our engagement with him and our connection with him. Today we're talking about exaltation. And I'm not on down here, so that's why I can't see it. Yeah, I can. Um, I want to ask you, have you been experiencing Christmas? And by that, I'm not talking about all the hype that is a part of this season. Uh, because you can't ever live up to the hype. The hype is so up there. Uh, I don't know how we don't have more depression than what goes on this time of the year. Because the hype is so up there and we never quite get up to what all the sentimentality and nostalgia says that we'll have for Christmas. But uh, with respect to the Jesus of Christmas and the experience of God, how's that been going for you? Because that's the real deal. You'll uh, recall that when the shepherds were in their fields tending the flocks at night nearby to Bethlehem, and an angel appeared to them, he not only announced, here's some good news, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, has come. He will be born in Bethlehem. And here's a sign. You'll find that baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then the angel disappeared, and the shepherds went to Bethlehem, And sure enough, they found Joseph and Mary and the babe. And they began to recount to everyone that had gathered there about their engagement with this angel and the angel's message. And everybody was awed. Everybody stood there in wonder. And they all began to worship God. And Luke tells us in his gospel, the second chapter, the 20th verse, the shepherds returned. They went back to their fields and to their flocks. And they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. They had an experience that they could hear and see. Have you been experiencing God? Because if you have been hearing and seeing and and knowing him in relational, personal, engaged kinds of ways, your heart can't help but be stirred to praise and worship. And I realize that uh, what I'm talking about is, is fairly challenged at this time of the year. Because of Christmas. Uh, Strange as that might be, you know, it's supposed to be the time that God came near to us so that we could experience him better than ever. And yet, because of the way that we have treated Christmas in our culture, uh, sometimes it's the most challenging time to really honestly engage and experience God. What about you? How's that been going? And it's not too late because this is Christmas Day. And if it hasn't been happening for you yet... 
perhaps it can begin to happen for you now and throughout this day and more frequently across this year. Now, you go, how does this this thing of experiencing and engaging and encountering and hearing and seeing God take place? Well, you have to ask and answer the question for yourself. Is this more than a story for you? You see, the temptation is to relegate this to once upon a time. In a town called Bethlehem, there was a young girl who had a child named Jesus. You can just so relegate that to fairyland and fable that you can miss. Hey, this is history. This is factual. This is reality. This is more real than anything else in this matrix world. Is it more than a story to you? How is that experience going? Because the reality is that Christ is in and around you all the time. One of the phrases that Jesus often used when talking about spiritual realities to people was, you that have ears to hear, let him listen. In other words, there's something about the realm of God, the activity of God, the work of God, the experience and the engagement of God that is different than normal seeing and hearing. Everybody that Jesus spoke to had ears, but he said, those of you that have ears to hear, you're tuned in, you're dialed into God's presence and God's activity, let him listen. Because he's at work in and around you all the time. Now, one of the things that's going to be necessary for you to experience God and to engage Him, to get those ears that can hear, a heart that can experience, is that you have hope. This really can happen. And not just for those really super religious types like the guy on the platform, but this really can happen to anyone and everyone. If they have hope. Now, hope is way bigger, way beyond wishful thinking. Hope is not, oh, I wish I could experience God. I wish I could encounter God. I wish it was different for me. It's not that flimsy and weak. Hope is strong and it's powerful. And it's something that God stirs in us. It's something that God stirred in those shepherds that night. Because we don't, we don't have any hint that they had been pining for God and pining for the Messiah to come. But God encountered them in a way that stirred hope in them and they responded to it. Now notice what happened. They're out in the fields minding their flocks. They're taking care of business. They're doing what they normally do. So it wasn't even like they'd gone to the holy place to have a holy experience. They're out there doing business, right? And we're told that an angel comes and begins to speak to them. And you go, you know what? God sends me an angel. I'm there. I I begin to experience him too. My hope level goes way up too. But here's the thing that you want to remember. 
The word in the Greek language that the New Testament was written in for angel really simply means messenger. Now, it's properly translated angel, but an angel is primarily a messenger. And so the word simply means messenger. And as you may be aware, if you read stories across the Bible about angels, many, many, many times you'll see that when an angel appeared, he looked very much like a person like you or me. And I want to suggest to you that when those shepherds were in their fields watching their flock at night, some 2,000 years ago, they encountered a messenger that did not look like our Christmas cards. Okay? No white robes, no like halos, no wings flapping. And you go, well, why would you say that? I mean, we have all this history of artists rendering it a certain kind of way. Why would you say that? And I'd say it because of this. When the messenger gives the message, I come with good news of great joy. There's a Savior that's being born in Bethlehem today. He goes on to say, and here's a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Lying in a manger. Now, why would he give him a sign? Because, see, if he had showed up in white robe, glistening and gleaming, halo, wings flapping, I don't need a sign. He's the sign. He's it. I'm like, holy cow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm there. But if he's a messenger that looks like you or me, and he's giving me a message, and he goes, oh, by the way, if you want to validate this, there's a sign. Go find the baby like this. Now, why am I making such a deal about that? Because the messenger did not say to the shepherds, Thou must go to Bethlehem. There was no command. There was no order. He just said, I've got good news for you. The messianic hope that uh, Israelites and Jews have had forever is going to be realized tonight. And if you would dare to believe that, if you would dare to uh, look for that, to engage that, here's how you can find it. And, and I draw your attention to that little snapshot in that picture because that's the picture of hope. Hope is not, oh, I wish that was true. Oh, I wish there was uh, the coming of the Christ. Oh, I wish that God had manifested himself. Hope says... I'm going to bet that's true. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave my flock and I'm going to go to Bethlehem. And I'm going to see, is there a baby swaddled lying in a feeding trough? I'm going to take that risk. I'm going to see if there is, in fact, something that God's up to in that kind of way. See, hope is something beyond wishing. It's something strong and stirring within us that moves us to do something, to act. And so I'm encouraging you today to dare to hope. God's real. God cares. God is present right 
now. God is looking to engage you right now. That our testimony can be the same testimony as the shepherds of what we have heard and what we have seen of the moving of God and the activity of God. Let me also say that this experience is not just a matter of hope. It is a mystery. I am not talking to you about science. This is not something that you can put in a test tube and observe and replicate and carry out formulas anytime and every time I want to experience God. I just do steps one, two, three. This is not science. This is mystery. And mystery is reality, but it's not fully comprehended reality. As Paul would say, it's like we kind of look through a glass darkly. We can see a good bit of it, but it's also in ways that we don't get it crystal clear sometimes. So let me illustrate what I'm talking about with a story about Diane. A few years ago, Diane, with her three children, moved into a trailer just outside of Redmond in kind of a forested meadow type area and there she was trying to raise her three children and make ends meet and it was pretty tough and it was December and unlike this past week uh, it was extremely rainy and dreary and gloomy you guys have been here a while you know exactly what we're talking about she could not keep that trailer free of muddy footprints. Her kids were constantly, you know, there were just little muddy footprints all over the place all the time. Nevertheless, as hard and as difficult as Christmas had been for Diane, uh, she was always kind of enchanted about the whole idea of Christmas. And even though she didn't have much, she was looking forward to this Christmas, particularly because of her youngest son, Marty, eight years old. Marty was crazy excited about Christmas and as only eight-year-olds can do he was running around and he was full of energy and he was so excited about everything that was going to take place and he was an energetic blonde playful kid that often kind of cocked his head and looked like a puppy listening to you when you spoke you know he just kind of turned his head that way and that was because he was deaf in his left ear And so he would constantly turn his good ear to you to be able to hear. He's just a delight. And Marty had a best friend named Kenny. And Kenny lived in a trailer just down the way from Marty's trailer. Little meadow was between the two of them. And any time you saw one, you saw the other. Any time you called for one, both of them came. They were inseparable. They were together all the time. And Kenny's mom had an even harder time than Marty's mom. Marty's mom could just make ends meet. Kenny's mom just never seemed to quite make the ends meet. It was always something short financially. And it's December and we're approaching Christmas and Marty comes bursting into the trailer one day and he says to his mom, 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 I've got the best idea in the world. 
Mom's like, what? What, Marty? What's going on? He goes, I know what to get Kenny for Christmas. Now, Diane had been suspecting that Marty was up to something. Because anytime she would give him his little allowance, he was kind of squirreling it away and hiding it away. And she thought, he, he must be saving that for something. And sure enough, he said, I know what Kenny wants and I'm going to get it for him. He wants a little pocket compass. And I saw one at the store and I can buy it. And Diane kind of conflicted in the moment. On one hand, just proud. That Marty cared enough about his friend, loved his friend enough that he wanted to get a a nice gift for him. But on the other hand, a little troubled, and and, and she went ahead and expressed herself. And she said, now, Marty, you need to understand, honey, Kenny and and his mom are really having a hard time right now. And your gift is a great gift. But I'm not sure that Kenny's mom will allow him to keep it because it's so nice and they won't have any way to give you a gift back. And Marty says, well, then I got it. I'll give it to him in secret. And they won't even know who it came from. And to that, Diane didn't know what to say. Well, a couple of days went by and Marty had sure enough bought that pocket compass. Wrapped it in a real colorful paper. And was preparing his plot for how he was going to give the gift in secret, right? It's Christmas Eve and it is one messy day it is dark all day it is gloomy it's pouring down rain and uh, as night sets in marty goes over gets his coat bundles himself up sticks that wrapped present into his pocket and he goes over to the front door and says mom i'm going over to kenny's to give him the gift closes the door before she can even respond and he starts running across that meadow squish 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 just tromping through all kinds of rain-soaked grass. And he comes to that little electrified fence, and he goes under it, and then he goes on over to the trailer, and he comes up the steps, and he opens up the door, and he sets the gift down, and he closes the door, and then he gets ready to go, and he reaches, and bing-bong, hits the doorbell, Boom! He starts running across the field so that he can get away before anybody opens the door and discovers that it had been him there. And then all of a sudden, boom! He ran into that electrified fence. And it just laid him out. He is now lying in the mud and in the rain with the raindrops pounding on his face, stunned and dazed from that little electrified fence. His body is tingling all over. And he finally begins to kind of stir and get his senses back. And he gets up and he mopes on home. And he comes in the door. Mom! And Diane comes around the corner. She says, honey, honey, what happened? What happened? And he has this muddy mess with a little tear coming down. Honey, what happened? And he says, I forgot to duck. The fence knocked me down. Had a little red welt 
coming from the corner of his mouth up to his ear where he had run into that fence. Well, she puts her arms around him and hugs him and says, oh, it's going to be okay. I'm so sorry. And she gets him cleaned up and she tends to the little blister that's coming up on his cheek and she gives him a, a cup of hot chocolate and she warms him up and, and uh, finally begins to get him into bed and tuck him into bed. And before she can leave the room, he says, Mom, I was able to deliver the present. I know he doesn't know who left it. And Diane says, good night, honey. And she closes the door. And she goes into the kitchen area and sits down deeply disturbed. How could God allow something like this to happen to an innocent little boy who was just doing what God says Give gifts in secret. And the normally enchanted Diane is now extremely disenchanted with Christmas and with God. And she's troubled. And she goes to bed troubled. Well, the next morning, it's Christmas morning. The rain has stopped, the clouds have parted. Remarkably, the sun is out, and it's a glorious morning. And uh, Kenny and his siblings get up, and they have breakfast, and they're having a little Christmas time together, and it's great. And all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. Marty goes to the door. Kenny is there. Marty, Marty, look what I got. And so Kenny comes into the house and he's showing everybody this new pocket compass that he's... And I don't even know who gave it to us. It's a, a mystery. Somebody put it in the door and rang the doorbell and they left and I don't even know it. And they're, you know, in, engaged with one another and bantering back and forth in excited tones. And Diane's just kind of drinking in the fun of the moment. But then she notices, while the two boys are just chattering back and forth, that Marty is not cocking his head like he normally does to hear. And she wonders, is he hearing out of his deaf ear? And a few weeks later, at uh, the school hearing clinic, the nurse confirms he's got 100% hearing in that ear. Later, they go to visit a doctor to find out what happened. How come he can hear in the ear? And the doctor's puzzled. I don't know. Perhaps something in the encounter with the electrified fence. Who knows? But Diane and Marty gave thanks to God. Because they began to perceive that on that gloomy, rainy, muddy Christmas Eve night, there was a mysterious exchange of gifts. And as Marty had given a gift, God had given a gift. Friend, that's the nature of mystery. There's something stirring about it. Curious, 
exciting, troubling, all at the same time. A child has been born who is Christ, the Savior. Here's a sign. He will deliver us from our sins. Is that more than a story to you? Is that a reality? Is that a mysterious experience that you have had? Do you dare hope today that there can be something more than just the commercialized hype of Christmas? Would you hope to experience God? If you would, it means you get up. It means that you take some kind of step. As as He's been stirring in you, you make some kind of movement in return toward Him. It means that you perhaps pay a little more attention to some of the familiar songs of the season. They are loaded with powerful messages of God's pursuit of us and God's activity around us. Perhaps you would... Read and reflect on a scripture differently. It's not just a Bible reading, but now I'm having some conversation with a living God. And perhaps I turn my ear to listen for the whisper that is the voice of God speaking to us, calling out to us, encouraging, coaching, guiding, exhorting. Comforting. Would you dare to hope? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for inviting us into the mysterious reality that is your presence in this world. And we know that In this moment, in this place, one of our friends desperately needs to engage and experience you beyond just the trappings of Christmas. God, would you meet with us, each one of us, in that kind of powerful, real way today. And we're confident that as you draw near to us and we to you, that we will be changed in that process. And we will change to your glory, to your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.